God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Uh, we do appreciate all that you've given us. And we pray that today's lesson can help us to walk closer to you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Corey, I'll make your announcement. If you want to be a part of the Easter or Mother's Day service, there'll be a meeting in the library today. That kind of just encompasses all those announcements. So if you have any interest in the choir, Easter service, Mother's Day, go into the library after our service today. And if any of that's wrong, I'm sorry. Okay. Now, we've been studying out the book of Galatians. And uh, I'm not going to review all of that. But the book of Galatians is, is teaching us about God's grace. And I'm glad you've been patient with me as we go through the book of Galatians. Because you may not have been sure where I was going, but I was sure. I wasn't sure how long it would take me to get there, but I was sure where I was going. And you know, life can be like that sometimes. We have in mind where we should go, but we don't always get there when we want to get there. That reminds me of a story of a guy who took a train to Atlanta, but he had to get off in Chattanooga. But the problem was the train pulled into Chattanooga at 3 a.m. So he found a worker and said, listen, I need to get off this train in Chattanooga at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night. Now, I'm a sound sleeper. And I need to get off the train, though, so you have to wake me up. It's going to be hard to wake me up. So when you wake me up, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be cussing and screaming and fighting. I'm going to want to get back in the bed. I'm not going to want to get up. But no matter what, you get me up and get me off this train. I have to get off this train at 3 o'clock in Chattanooga. So the man went to bed, woke up the next day in Atlanta. He was upset. He found that worker. He started cussing him out. Well, why didn't you wake me up? And he just blasted that worker. And then he went off the train. So one, another worker went over to comfort this guy. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I know that's hard. I'm sorry. He just really went off on you. And he said, if you think that was bad, you should imagine the guy that I kicked off the train in Chattanooga at 3 o'clock. It'd take a little while, but y'all get it in a minute. Not yet, not yet. I have to explain that? George, he kicked the wrong guy off the train. And that's why he was fighting and screaming. And... Point is, we tend to get upset when we're hindered from getting someplace that we want to be. But yet, we have to look at it and say, you know what, am I unsatisfied with where I'm at in life? Better yet, am I unsatisfied with where I'm at spiritually? This is an important question. And this is what we talk about here in the book of grace, the whole of book of Galatians. The whole book is about the message of grace. But God did not set us free to do whatever we please. God set us free from sin and held us so we can be what he meant for us to be. See, maybe the problem is you just don't see what you're supposed to be. Maybe you want to be something, but you're not sure, you're confused. Maybe we don't understand this is what God intends for you to be. 
You know, one day a dad was walking by at night in the hallway, and he heard a big boom and the crying. So he went to his son's room, and he looked. His son was sitting on the floor. And the dad said, what happened, son? He said, I guess I got in the bed too close to the same spot that I got in at. Something like that. What did I say? The boy said, I went to sleep too close to where I got in. So he got in the bed around right the edge, fell asleep, and fell off. The point is, some of us enter the kingdom, and we go to sleep spiritually, and we stay right there on the edge. Thus, we can easily fall off. Or we can easily have an arm hanging over or a leg and have one foot in the kingdom and one foot out the kingdom. So the question is, are you satisfied with where you're at spiritually? See, there's a point that we should not ever just, okay, I'm comfortable, I'm fine where I'm at spiritually, I don't need anything else. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. It says we should grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, let me give you a couple of things that can help define how we can grow in grace and knowledge. One, we grow in grace, or growing in grace is possible through the Holy Spirit. We can grow in grace because of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's two problems with that. One is that we have all sinned in the past. Secondly, we are all still sinners today. Now, God dealt with the first problem by sacrificing his son, Jesus. So through Jesus, we can have forgiveness. So that first problem is dealt with. But the second problem has to deal with our sinful nature. And this is what Paul talks about in Galatians. How can we deal with our need to grow in Christ even though we're still sinners? Because all of us will still sin. That's why sometimes people like being legalistic. Legalistic, what I mean by that is just following a set of rules. Just doing this certain procedure and it makes you feel better. I heard one time uh, it said legalism is like Vicks Vapor Rub. When applied, there's no healing power internally, but only a brief burning sensation to cover up the symptoms. And that's what happens. Sometimes we try to do, 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 but we try to just cover up the real issue of the heart. And this is what Paul said. It's a heart issue. It's not about what all can I do. Now, we got to understand the Christian life isn't just difficult. It's impossible. The only one that could live sinless was Jesus Christ. Now, the blessing we have comes through Abraham, and that is a blessing that God gives us the Holy Spirit to help us live a Christian life. So we don't have to do it on our own. The Holy Spirit is prompting us, guiding us, helping us. Look in Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. Galatians 3, verse 14. The Bible says he redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, 
so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. God had in mind the ultimate blessing of us, the Gentiles, that we will receive the Holy Spirit. And look in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Romans 8, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. And this is a deep scripture. It says the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. Now, we can look at that, especially Easter's coming up. Everybody look, and they're all amazed at the resurrection, and look at what happened to Jesus, and look at the power of God, and we get all excited. But what you need to realize, that same power that raised him lives in every single disciple of Jesus today. And he said, listen, you can overcome whatever. How? Because that same power that you're amazed at every Easter, every year, lives in you every day. Think of that. Sometimes we lose so much confidence, so much self-esteem. You shouldn't lose an ounce of self-esteem if you are a disciple of Jesus. Because that same power that raised him is living in you. See, sometimes we just need to really read the scriptures and we can be encouraged. But sometimes we're not encouraged because we're not reading the scriptures. We like want all the blessings and encouragement without putting in the work that needs to be done. Simply reading the scriptures can encourage and strengthen your faith, your soul, your life. And this is what he's saying. Look in Galatians chapter 3. Because the, the Christians in Galatia, they forgot what I just said. That the same spirit that raised Jesus works in you. How do you know they forgot it? Look at what Paul says. Galatians 3 verse 3. Are you foolish? After being with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? He says, listen, you had the Holy Spirit of God living in you. God can, and Jesus even said, you're going to do greater things than he did. Think about that. This is what God, this is what Jesus is telling you. So why would we ignore that and now start trying to do everything on our own power, on our own strength? Now, we tried it before we became a Christian, and look at how jacked up we were. So why, now that we have this power available, would we say, nah, I don't need that. I'm going to keep doing it on my own. You say, well, that's not really me. Are you really letting the Holy Spirit guide you? You have to think about that. I've heard a lot of sermons on resolving relationships. Did I let it sink in? Did I resolve it? I heard a lot of sermons on, you know what, we, need to, we do need to help save souls in the city. Do I share my faith? Even when God is saying, you know what, share with that person. You know what, talk to that coworker. You know what, do we do what the Spirit says? We've got to ask ourselves, the Spirit is saying, live a godly life. Let your life be the evangelism tool. Are we living a godly life? 
that somebody will look at and say, man, something's different about you. Because you know what's going to happen one day in a city like this? Somebody you work with is going to come here, they're going to visit, or they're going to have a family member getting baptized. And then they're going to turn around and see you sitting there. And they're going to think, wait a minute. Was there anything different about that person? Did they act like they should be in church while they're at work? Or did they act worse than I? And I know I'm not a Christian. It's going to happen sometime, some way. And see, this is what we got to remember. We need to live the right life. And your life is evangelistic. That's why the Bible says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Now, let's go back to 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Growing in grace means growing in the image of Christ by the Holy Spirit. So you got to ask yourself, how much do I know about grace? Well, the issue is, how much more am I becoming like Christ? The more we become like Christ, the more we grow in our grace. Now, let me say this. Growing in grace is recognizable by our fruits. Now, there's 24 out of the 27 books in the New Testament talks about bearing fruit. Now, there was a day that every time somebody said bearing fruit, that meant you got to go baptize somebody. I'm not talking about that kind of fruit. What I'm talking about is fruit provides evidence that the Holy Spirit lives there. Does that mean that every good person is a Christian? No, nope, no, nope, we got to be careful. That's not what it's saying. Look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians. All the T's are together. Titus, Timothy, Thessalonians. You get to one, you got it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. Does that mean that every good person is a Christian? No, because Satan is sneaky. He can produce some counterfeit miracles. But you know one thing he cannot do is he cannot reflect the character of Christ. He can have counterfeit miracles, signs, all that stuff. But you know what? When somebody lives like Christ, that is something that Satan cannot imitate. And so you look at somebody and say, okay, it's not just are they doing good works, but look at the heart of forgiveness. Look at the heart of grace. Look at the heart of love. Look at the heart of sacrifice. That's not Beelzebub. That's Jesus. And so we have to look at our lives and say, how much do I give? How much do I sacrifice? How much do I come 
with the thought of what can I do instead of what can I get. See, this is important because there's something about fruit. Growing fruit is a process. You don't plant a seed and get apples the next day. Now, if you want to be legalistic, which means you just look at what people do, you can easily change somebody's character or their works. But if you're going to live by the Spirit, it's a process. Sometimes you take two steps forward and one step back. The Spirit changes the heart. Now, legalism will change for only so long, and then rebellion is going to come out. You think about it, when you're raising kids, oh, they're going to do what you say because you're their parent for so long. And then, because I said so, isn't going to work forever. Because eventually, rebellion is going to come out. I tell people all the time when I'm doing parenting classes, don't start counting for your kid to respond to you. Little Billy, I'm sorry, I'm in New York. Jamal, I'm going to count to seven, and you better be over here by seven. One, two, three. Little Jamal going to sit there until you get to six and a half, and ain't going to move at all. Because little Jamal know, whatever, I'm going to wait till they really get upset. See, all you're doing is building six seconds of rebellion in that child, Day after day until it gets to, that's just who that child is. We can't let rebellion just build up in our lives. we got to make sure I'm doing what I need to do right away. That's repentance, a quick change of action. But growing fruit is a process. It's something that uh, occurs over time. Secondly, you don't make fruit, you make works. Paul says, they're works of the flesh. And there's fruit of the Spirit. The flesh produces work. The Spirit produces fruit. That's uh, probably the next series I'm going to do later on this year is the fruit of the Spirit. And go through each of the fruits of the Spirit and talk about what does that really mean? What does that really look like? Now, is Paul saying you can't do anything good unless you have the Holy Spirit? No, that's not at all what he's saying. In Acts chapter 10... It talks about Cornelius, a man who was not... Look in Acts chapter 10. Acts 10, verse 1 and 2. It says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So this guy was a good guy. He did a lot of good things. But you know what? Peter still had to come there and teach him so he and his family could be saved. So all the good works, devout worshiper, giving regularly, didn't make him saved. And this is what Paul has said. Works don't save you. We have to make sure we're not just trying to do, 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 and thinking I'm right, right, right. It's the issue of our heart, heart, heart. Y'all like that remix? The Holy Spirit will produce perseverance in you or resilience in you. The Holy Spirit will give you a little, 
a little fight in you. Now, this is what we got to see. Because a lot of times we give up way too easy. If you give up easy, that means you're not letting the Holy Spirit work in you. Most people are good until the cost gets too high. A Christian, a true disciple is good even if it kills them. Why do you say that? Well, look at Jesus. He was good even to the point that it killed him. If we teach you to live by the Spirit, then we don't have to worry about you living a wild life. Some people say, aren't you worried about preaching on grace? Now everybody's going to start sinning. You know what? They're not going to start sinning. If they already was, they're just going to carry on. This isn't going to be something new that makes them start sinning. Let's get real about it. But if they really understand the message we're talking about with grace, it won't cause you to sin. It'll cause you to live a more godly life. That's why there's no danger in talking about grace. There's no fear in talking about grace. Because if a person is going to sin, that's just where their heart is already. So back to Galatians 5, look at verse 22. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Here's a question for you. Does your life prove Paul's point? That the fruit of the Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what we got to look at. Am I living by the fruits of the Spirit? When people look at my life, do they see these things right here? It doesn't mean you'll never get angry, but it means... I'll respond differently when I'm angry. Because, see, we all will get angry, but it's how you respond to it that shows the fruit of the Spirit. We all will have people that do stuff to us that's wrong, but it's how you respond to it. Do I respond in love? See, everything is about how do we respond. That, that shows your life. Sometimes we think, well, this, I have this thought in my head, so I'm in sin. That thought doesn't mean you're in sin, but what you do with that thought will lead to sin or righteousness. Sometimes we beat ourselves down for no reason. Guys, Jesus didn't die so you can torture yourself mentally on whether or not you're doing the right thing. He died to set you free. Well, why are there so many things? Well, there's, Satan is always there. Two areas. Evil is always present. Evil is always present. Look in verse 19. Galatians 5, verse 19. The acts of our sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, sin is not, oops, I didn't know that. He said, no, it's obvious. Oops, I drank the whole bottle of Hennessy. (laughs) What? There's no, oops, I did that. 
We know better because sin is obvious. We sin because we don't declare war on the flesh. There's all kind of, there's sensual sin, immorality, adultery, impurity. There's spiritual sin, idolatry, witchcraft. There's social sin, hatred, jealousy, envy. You know what sin looks like. We sin not because we don't know what sin is, but we sin because we don't declare war on the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh include how you think and feel. Look in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. We're going to come back to that in a minute. I need to talk about that a little more because it wasn't enough response. But we're going to come back to that. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings the good out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Sometimes you say, well, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't murdered anybody. Do you hate somebody? Are you just constantly sarcastic? Are you just constantly rude? Well, you know what? That's what's in your heart. Rude, sarcastic hatred. You may not have physically murdered somebody, but what's inside that old crusty, dark heart of yours? Because, see, that's the real issue. Because the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why are you angry all the time? You even come to church looking angry. Lip dragging. You got a scab on your lip because it's dragging all the time. You're just angry. Because you got anger in your heart. Why don't you respect your wife more? Because I'm mad at her. Ooh. Got real quiet there, didn't it? Why you treat your kids like that? Because they won't do what I say. They'll never listen. They don't know. Oh, why are you so angry, Smurf? Calm down. See, it's what's in your heart. That's what comes out. You know what? I can't make church all the time. I can't be at midweek or Bible talk. I, I just got too many things going on. Nobody's going to argue with you, but that's what's in your heart. That just says, I'm not committed to the body of Christ. That's just saying, Jesus is not Lord. Even though I verbally said, he's not Lord. See, sometimes just by your lifestyle and action, that shows where you're at spiritually. Nobody has to come up and confront you. We all can see it. Again, watch your life and doctrine closely. Again, go back to Galatians 5. And we have somebody that's going to be baptized into Christ today. Amen? So I'd like to ask for her and the ladies with her to come on down so you can go ahead and get ready. I said I'd give them a clear message when it's time. So I think that was pretty clear, huh? But back in Galatians 5, look again at what he says here in verse 21. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. 
I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here's something I want to point out. He says, I warn you as I did before. So this is not the first time they've heard Paul talking about grace or about their sins. But he says, I'm warning you. Then the whole book is about grace. But he says, I'm warning you. So what does that mean? That means when you preach on grace, you preach on a warning to people. Grace is warning you, listen, if you don't grasp grace and understand this, and if your life doesn't change, you're not going to make it into the kingdom of God. You say, whoa, that's, that's kind of deep. Exactly. That's why we need to grasp God's grace. That's why we need, how can I really understand it? You've got to start practicing it, living it out. You know what? We don't think we need to be talking about grace as much until we actually need it. We don't always give grace, but when it's time for us to receive it, we wonder why it's not coming to us. Sometimes it doesn't come because you haven't given it. We need to understand grace is so important in our lives. There's a lady named Joyce on the front page of the Nashville paper. She was a regular tither at her church. She sang in the, sang alto, alto in the choir. Her minister said in terms of Bible doctrine, she was at the top 10% of her church. But that was one life. But then there was another life. Joyce would drive to Nashville every night in a short skirt, go to different bars, and usually go home with a different man every night. That's not new. There's a lot of religious people in the world today. They at church singing and doing things, and they all at the club and doing everything else on a whole other night. But the reason Joyce made the paper was because her body was found in the trunk of her car where one of the men she had been with had killed her. It was the second life she lived that killed her. Because you get a look at your life. You need to have one life to live. Paul is saying the flesh is deadly. You cannot play around with the flesh. You can't live one arm in the kingdom, one arm in the world. You can't live on the edge of the bed. You can't come in the kingdom and stay at that same place you entered. We don't expect that from kids that go to high school. Think about it. They start in kindergarten, graduate 12th grade. You know what? By 12th grade, 10, 12 years in the school, you expect all of them to know their ABCs. If you graduate and don't know your ABCs, what, what was you doing in school? So if you're a Christian, five, ten years, you should know the basic things of Christianity. Well, what does that mean? You should know how to have a quiet time. Well, what does that mean? That means you should lead a Bible talk. If you can have a quiet time, you can lead a Bible talk. A Bible talk is a quiet time that you're sharing with people. So if you've been around 10 to 12 years and don't have a desire to even lead a Bible talk, you have to look at that just like a senior graduating high school not knowing the ABCs. In other words, something's wrong. 
Well, I don't know how to lead the discipleship study. How long have you been a Christian? 15 years? So you've lived a certain way for 15 years but can't tell anybody? Mm. See, the issue is, are we satisfied with where we're at spiritually? See, the grace of God says, no, you should not be satisfied. You should always want to be more like Jesus every day. Fred Craddock, a professor at Emory University, illustrates it like this. He went to a trip to the Holy Land and was standing before the wailing wall when a group of rabbis showed up to pray. The young rabbis got into a discussion. Some say that the Sabbath began when the sun went down. Others says, oh no, the Sabbath begins when you see the first star in the sky. They began to argue about when the Sabbath begins. Then they started to shove each other. Then someone took a swing and started a fight. They had to call the police who had to stop these rabbis from rolling around, punching each other on the ground. Craddock was standing there by watching the whole thing as it unfolded. Next to him was an older Jewish woman who looked at him and said, you American? He said, yes. He said, you a Christian? He said, yes. He said, now you see why Jesus never had a chance in this town. You know, Love is the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it says. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. And it may come in many different flavors. There's more flavors of love than Baskin Robbins ice cream. There's more that we can do than just say, I love you, bro. I love you, sister. You know what? Sometimes we got to do something that shows that love. It says if we're going to live together, we need to live together. Again, in Galatians 5, it says, verse 25, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceding, provoking, or envying each other. Now, this is important, because we've talked a lot about Galatians. we probably got one more lesson on Galatians, maybe two. But I want us to understand the book of Galatians is teaching us about God's grace. It's teaching us what we need to do. You're free to be fruitful, but it's not going to be to grow in any climate unless that climate is cultivated by the Holy Spirit. Let me illustrate it like this. You know, the mama cuckoo bird would not build a nest. She steals them. She flies around and finds a nest where a thrush has laid eggs and flown off, the thrush bird. Then the cuckoo flies around there and lays her eggs in the neck, in the neck, nest, and flies off. Now the mama thrush will come back, not being too good at math, she'll sit on top of not just her eggs, but the cuckoo bird's eggs as well. So she'll hatch that baby cuckoo bird and her eggs as well. Now, the cuckoo will be many times larger than the thrush. So what happens is when the mama finds a worm and comes back, guess who gets it? The bigger bird. And that cuckoo bird will grow and grow. And the baby thrush birds will get smaller and smaller. When you go and look for a cuckoo bird's nest, the best way to find one is to look and see 
where the little dead thrush birds are. Because the cuckoo bird has now kicked the little birds out and have taken over the nest. You know what? It's the same thing with us. You have the Holy Spirit and you have the sinful nature. Which one will you feed? Whichever one you feed is going to kick the other one out of your life. So, the issue is, we need to take an evaluation of our life. The sin is not something that we slip up and fall into. It's obvious. So we just got to take a close look, examine our lives, and realize, you know what? I'm going to live by the Holy Spirit. It's a process. It's a growing process. It's not just going to happen overnight. It's something that we got to do step by step and grow in. You're going to have great days. You're going to have days that aren't so great. But that doesn't mean we get discouraged and give up. Because that same spirit that raised Jesus lives in you. So you know what? It helps you overcome whatever comes your way. Brothers, sisters, friends, I want to encourage us to really take a close look at our lives. Make sure we're studying the Bible every single day. If you're visiting with us, we have a Bible studies that we do with people. Because we want to make sure you know God's word and God's plan for your life. I love you. Thank you so much for this day. We're going to have somebody added to Christ and to God be the glory. Amen.